Everybody hear me okay? Can you hear me? Do I not actually have to adjust it today? Wow, isn't that wild? That's awesome. That last song was a declaration that was made and as we were singing it, I I felt that it was a declaration from this church. And you know what happens when you say something to the Lord? (laughs) When we declare to Him, when we worship and we declare we are no longer slaves, we are declaring a victory. We're declaring a victory in our own lives. We're declaring a victory in the bride, in our church. But the words that were coming to me so profoundly during that last song, during the declaration, and he didn't mean this in a heavy way, please understand. But he just said, I will test that. So do you mean it? Do you mean it? Do you mean that you are no longer encapsulated by fear? You are no longer a slave to those fear feelings. You see, because when we declare in unity as a church, there's strength in that. There's a forward momentum that is produced in that. But it also comes with trial. See, there is a testing coming for this church. There is a testing of that very faith that you just sang of. That is coming for this local body. But it will permeate all over. Are we ready for it? See, I know in my heart we are. I also know that the Lord would not declare that it is coming until we were ready. But I want to encourage you. Just like, think about what's happened over the last two years, two and a half years even, two and a quarter years, with our government. We look at it now and we see the changes that have come about. And we see how God took a a rough instrument and he started swinging with precision. That's really an extraordinary thought when you think about it. Because when you think of of bull in a china shop, you just think of mass destruction, right? But that's not really what's been going on. What's been going on is the power of that bull 
with the precision of God's timing and God's pointing. The same thing, mark this, guys, the same thing is about to happen with the bride. The same thing. And look at what has been over the last two years, where it came to do what? Divide. You've heard it on every station. You've heard it probably out of the mouths of all your friends. Everybody has said, this nation has never been so divided. Except perhaps civil war, I suppose. I want you to recognize the fact that there's a lot of truth in that. But there's a lot of purpose in that. Because Jesus did not come to make everybody feel good. Jesus did not come for us to have this life on this earth how we think it's supposed to be. He has literally been waiting for His bride to come to the point of saying yes, regardless. Yes, no matter what. Yes, without placing a filter on what something is supposed to look like. What church is supposed to look like. By the way, guys, this is what church is going to look like. It's in the hearts of those that gather in the living room. That just want Him no matter what. That are willing to give up everything for Him no matter what. So when that testing comes, we will be ready. And and by the way, that doesn't mean that testing isn't hard. Oh my goodness. It is hard. That's the whole point of a test. If, if testing isn't hard, then you really should be a grade ahead of where you're at. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Testing's supposed to be hard. And with God, it's no different. Testing is what builds our faith. It's what literally sets it in cement. See, He's building your faith right now. He's teaching you what to trust in Him. He's telling you His promises. He's saying, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will do this, I will do that. Why do you think He's doing that? Because when the testing comes, it's going to scream to you, The opposite. Circumstances will scream the opposite. Wait a second, Lord, you said this was going to happen. But this is kind of going the opposite direction. Yeah, I know. Do you trust me? That's what the Lord's saying is, do you trust me? Do you trust me when the test begins? Do you trust me throughout the test? Do you trust me after the test? This one's going to be tough. But he's shown me the other side of it. 
it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. How good do you feel when you took like the most hugest exam of your life and you got through it and you didn't just pass? Oh, thank God I passed. No, you passed with flying colors. And you walk out of that room with that confidence that, wow, I just did well on that. Because I knew it. Because I was prepared for it. I knew it and I trusted in what God had done in my life in that preparation of studying and everything else. And you walked out of there so confident because of what he had done. See, that's how he wants us entering these tests. So confident in him that nothing will derail us. Nothing. But he also gives us each other. And by the way, that's important. Because the unity brings strength to that faith. The Lord gives us individual words not to just build ourselves up, but to share with each other. Why? Because it builds confidence. Just like Jim texted me during that last song and he said, the Lord keeps telling me, I keep hearing the word now, 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 now is the time. And he's right. He's right. Now is the time. Are you ready? Are you ready? We've been at war for some four years, and really our whole lives, but in reality, we have been understanding of the war for four years. God has taken us through processes of learning how to deal with that warfare. And I, and I explained this a couple weeks ago, but beginning with demonic spirits, and then moving then to principality, which are, which are different rankings of fallen angels, which are very different than that first phase. Then it was on to a third phase, which was very different than the first two, and that was human witchcraft. He taught us how to defend ourselves in that. But I stated a couple weeks ago that, that in this final third phase, he was shifting us from defense to offense. And he has done that. This last week, this last Wednesday was extraordinary. Because God had called seven of us to do something very specific. And it was the very first offensive act in this phase of warfare. And it was claiming land. And we've been praying about it. We prayed about it on Tuesday night. We prayed about it last Sunday. And all this stuff. And that afternoon when we went, there was a large group praying all together. Because we didn't know what to expect. We'd had some visions of what to expect. We expected warfare. <laughs> and we got there, and there wasn't any. Or very, very little. Why? Because the unity of the prayer had power. 
the unity of the faith in that prayer had power. It had power, not our power. It literally called down the power of heaven. It's extraordinary what God wants to do with his bride. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised what he's going to do with you. Don't be surprised that he will take you down roads that you never in a million years thought you would go down. Some of the quietest people in here are going to speak to tens of thousands. For you in the camera, that was Anissa. Behind the camera. (laughs) Not just Anissa, though. I love how God does. And by the way, Wendy, too. She'll like it about as much as Anissa does. But you know what? Their testimonies are powerful. Why? Because they have faith. Because they say, I trust you, Lord. It doesn't matter where you put me. I trust you. Put me in front of those people. I trust you. Put me in front of one person. I trust you. My mouth is yours to do with what you want. My hands are yours. My feet are yours. That's all he, all he asks of us, which is everything. If anybody says to you that, oh yeah, the Christian life is easy, he doesn't really expect a whole lot, he, they don't understand relationship. Because what he expects is everything. Last night it was interesting because, well, you see the, you see the thing up here again. It was interesting because um, I said, Lord, let's try something new. I said, you know, it, it, it was through the prayer call. If you were on the prayer call last night, you, you heard my prayer that, Lord, you still haven't told me anything, right? So, so after the prayer call, I'm, I'm talking with him, and I, and I said, Lord, let's try something new this time. Let's, let's, let's see how this works. I said, and, and you guys are going to relate to this because anybody who has read the word of God and wanted to hear from the Lord has done the same exact thing. Guarantee it. Except I was doing it on an iPad instead of a physical Bible. But you ever open your Bible and just... <laughs> really? Yeah, I know. Now, now, by the way, by the way, that is even more random on an iPad. Okay, because I remember I used to do that as a kid, and you kind of feel, okay, okay, well, there's about the Psalms right there, and oh, there's good stuff in there, let me open it up. iPad, it's just pretty much right there, it's ding, 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 and you're there. So I said, Lord, maybe this is a way that I could control it a little bit more, your timing. I said, I said, what do you want me to talk about tomorrow? Ding, ding, ding. And I just started laughing <laughs> because I can't, I can't tell you why, except for this. The Lord and I have been, I don't want to say arguing because it's not an argue. It's, it's more of a discussion. Yeah, a discussion. Um, cause it, it's, it's not an unwillingness, but it's a, 
Are, are you seriously applying this to, to this, to, to whatever? And, and so when he took me to this passage, I just started laughing because I knew it wasn't what I was supposed to preach on. But it was him saying, look, you want to mess with me, I'll mess with you. So let's talk about this that you don't want to talk about. Okay, all right. So, so anyways, I, I, I had to, had to laugh about that because what he truly was saying is, why don't you just go get some sleep and trust me. Trust me that I, I promised I will fill your mouth. I always have. I always will. Trust me. So we're going to turn to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 18. And I am excited for what he does because this time next week I will be with Michael and David, whom most of you don't know, some of you know, in Nigeria next week. And then uh, there, there is a conference that we'll be at a week from this Tuesday. In fact, wow, it will probably be, it'll be in the afternoon before you guys have your, your Tuesday um, uh, before the Tuesday service here, but I'll be speaking at a convention there um, with with pastors and ministry leaders, and there'll be a, a little over three thousand of them there. And again, with that, the Lord has you, you, see. It's like Lord, okay, this is a big one, so can you let me know a little more in advance for this one? And He said, Would you just trust me? So I want to pass my test, and I will trust him. Luke chapter 18, verse 18, is where we're going to begin. Once a religious leader asked Jesus this question. Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, why do you call me good? Jesus asked him, only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Verse 21, the man then replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. When Jesus heard his answer, he said, There's still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. When Jesus saw this, he said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this said, then who in the world can be saved? He replied, what is, what is impossible for people is possible with God. Peter said, we've left our homes to follow you. Yes, Jesus replied. And I assure you that everyone who has given up house or wife or brother or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will be repaid many times over in this life. 
and will have eternal life in the world to come. Father, we worship you and we praise you. I ask that you fill my lips with your words, none of my own. Father, we're hungry for you. We love you. We love your son. We love your Holy Spirit. And we're hungry for you. Share with us this morning your heart in Jesus' name. Back at verse 24, it says, When Jesus saw this, he said, How hard is it? Or, I'm sorry, verse 22. When Jesus heard his answer, he said, Still, there is one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. What an extraordinary thought to think that this young ruler, this young wealthy man came to him with all the outside trappings of living a good life. Came to him, by the way, with expectation that he was on the right path. And basically, Jesus derailed his entire religious system by saying one thing. The very thing that you care about most is the one thing that you won't give up. Wow, that kind of hits. Because when we apply that to our own lives, what would that one thing be? I'm pretty sure none of us are rich young rulers here. (laughs) Okay, except Shannon. (laughs) But how would that apply to us? Well, Lord, I'll, I'll give you everything in my life, but I won't blank. I won't go to Africa. I won't go on the mission field. I won't give up my career. I won't give up my control. I won't give up this job. I won't give up my money. I won't give up this relationship. I won't give up these things. Why? Because you gave them to me, God. You gave them to me, so certainly you wouldn't really ask me to give them up. I mean, if that is your argument, you've got an entire word of God that comes against that. Abraham waited his entire life to have the son that had been promised to him. And the Lord said, give him up. Many others. All of the disciples. What are you willing to give up for me, Jesus says. He said, sell everything. Come and follow me. Can you imagine if that rich young ruler had actually done that? Imagine what that would mean. Imagine that step of faith and what it would have done in his life. 
I, I, I wish we could get a, a, like a sequel to the Bible to, to see what would have happened in some of these instances. You know, how extraordinary. When we have an extraordinary step of faith, God gives that extraordinary faith back to us and just explodes the blessings. Absolutely explodes it. But He is going to pick out that one thing, that one thing that you want to hold on to. See, if you want real relationship with Him, if you want full relationship with Him, complete relationship with Him, then it cannot come with you holding on to something. Ask any marriage how that works. When in a marriage you're holding something back, it doesn't work so well. It, it, it hurts trust. It hurts everything. But when you give everything, when you give your complete trust and you hand it over to the other person that you trust them to handle it with care, it brings closeness. See, if there was something that I would purposely hold back from Alexis in, in our relationship together, that would build that wall. But yet we don't see it that way with our relationship with Christ. Because we're kind of the ones in control, we think, of that relationship. And, and in many ways we are. Well, this is what I'm comfortable to give you so far. And, and by the way, God will take what you'll give him. But it's the return that you expect that will only come when you give what he wants. What would that rich young ruler have received if he would have actually listened to Jesus and said, I'll give it up. And you could go back and argue and say, well, it really wasn't God's will for him to do that because he already had the 12 and he already, you know, and this and that and, you know, everything else. And bottom line is what we give up on this earth, he said, it will be repaid. I mean, down, down at the bottom, verse, verse 29. Yes, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will be repaid many times over in what? This life. And then life to come have eternal life. But what is that one thing we're holding on to? I, I, I want to tell you the, the first part in dealing with that is even recognizing what it is. What's that one thing in your life that you're holding on to? That one thing, whether it be control, which is, I mean, that flushes out in so many different ways. That can flush out with money. Just like this rich, rich young ruler. It doesn't, you don't have to be rich to be controlled by money, by the way. In fact, just the opposite. You cannot have any money and money will control you. It's because it's not about the money. It's about the control. I remember that, that's when, when I went through what I did my freshman year of college, 
the one thing I stepped out of that test with was I'm going to control my life. And I could just imagine God sitting back and saying, okay, here we go. This is going to take a while. In fact, it took 25 years. But see, I wanted the control of my life because I had been hurt. And then, you know what? No, I hadn't just been hurt. I had been devastated. I had lost what I thought was everything. And not on a, not on a private scale, but on a very public scale. And so I decided, you know what? Not going back to school. I'm going to work because I can, I can make money now. And, and, you know, just like the enemy, he's going to hop right on that bandwagon. I got a job making great money. I mean, I was 19 years old. And I, within six months, I became the top trainer for that company. I was training 50 people a week in that company. I had access to the boss's ski chalet up in Breckenridge. At 19, I thought, yeah, this must be God's will, because it's all going so well. But see, what I didn't realize is I had sold my birthright, because it's not what God wanted for me. It's not what he wanted for me. What he wanted for me was to give everything to him, give that hurt to him. Give the circumstances to Him. Not be controlled by those circumstances or in essence wanting to control them myself. That's an easy road to go down, guys. Because the cares of this world can have a weight to them. The cares of this world can be difficult and heavy because why? We have needs. You know, we have to eat. We have to have a place to stay. We need a car. Well, Lord, you gave me this job, so I got to get this car. And, and now that I've got this car, I got this payment that goes along with the car. So I really need to do well at the job so I can get a promotion or do well enough to get a better job. And do you, do you see the scale, how it works? How it works and you just become entrenched in the you gotta. We become entrenched in what we think we need in order to sustain what he's done for us. And what, what's he say to the rich young ruler? He says, give it all up and follow me. Wow. What would you say if God said that to you? If Jesus were on this earth and he said that to you? What would your response be? Well, I I can't because my parents need me. I can't because I have this, this brand new boyfriend, girlfriend, and, and you know what, let me just see how this works out first, because I feel this is your will. God, I have, I have this new situation that I just started, I just started this, this class, I'm almost done, and I just started this, and, 
Follow me. That's a heavy word. That's a heavy word. And, I, and, and believe me, I'm not coming from a place of not recognizing the heaviness of that. Because that's exactly what he did with me before any of this started. See, it literally could not start until I was obedient in everything. And you know the story. He said, close your business. Sell your equipment. Trust me. He had been telling me that, and by the way, I I know that's what I ended up doing. But I, I need to tell you, not to my credit, it took him almost two years to get that through my mind. It's not something I I recognized. Well, I shouldn't say that. I think I recognized it before. It, It was not something I was willing to do. That was the one thing I wanted to hold back. Because that was the one thing that I knew I could control. I knew I could control my income, which, by the way, is a joke, just so you know. There's really no truth in that. You just may think you can, but there's really no truth in that. But it was also something I loved, by the way. I, was, I built custom homes. I loved it. I loved doing what I did. So I struggled with that. Yes, but there's one thing. There's one thing that you have in your life that you're not giving to me. Give it up and follow me. None of this started until I was willing to do that. And when I was willing to do that, and I finally did do that, everything went opposite of what I thought. I'm thinking in full faith, no problem, God, you got this, because I'll just step into this other position, and I'll be fine, you got this. And then all of a sudden, that position wasn't there anymore. And in fact, not only was that position not there, but that church was no longer there for us. Because we were asked to leave. And I remember at the time, Alexa and I, and I've shared this in parts with you guys, Alexa and I are talking and, you know, we're behind on, on mortgage and we're behind on bills and stuff like that. And, and, and I remember there was a point where she said, we need to just start praying together about this. Can we pray together about this situation? And I remember so clearly in my mind, (laughs) I don't want to attribute this to the Lord if it wasn't the Lord, or if it was just my obstinance. But I knew I was to tell her no. And my answer was because he already promised. What we need to do now is exercise the faith of that promise and move forward as he tells us to move forward. Rest assured, when you make a choice for God, when you make a choice to do something that is, that is not normal practice in how we do things on this earth, 
you will go through a period of testing in that choice. If this young man, he came and he said, what must I do to be saved? Now, clearly he had already been a qualified in the religious system young man. He said, I have done all these things. I have held all these commandments. So to the world, this young man was everything he needed to be. But see, God doesn't look at the external. God looks at our heart. And Jesus pierced right through and he said, yeah, but. Yeah, but you have this. How does Jesus know that? How does the Father know that? It's because it's the very thing that is keeping him from relationship. What is that in your life? Is there something in your life that you hold more precious than that relationship? And trust me, trust me when I say God will test that to the nth degree. Do I have things in my life that are more important to me than my relationship with the Lord? Than following Him with everything that I am? That's a question we have to ask ourselves. Because he said, when you follow after me, you give up everything. Why? Because that opens the door for him to provide everything. And I don't mean just financial provision. I'm talking about everything. I'm talking about relational provision. So many in our church are, are, are young people not married yet. Right? The, the relational provision that he has for you is extraordinary. It's extraordinary if you trust him. If you trust him, and that applies to every one of us. If you trust him in his timing, he's going to do the very things that he wants to do in your life that draw you closer to him. And draw you closer to others. See, he, do, he doesn't just want to pull you away so you don't have relationships with anybody else. If he did that, that would kind of go against the second most important commandment. Where we're to love each other as we love ourselves. No, how he set up his entire gospel was that you're going to fall in love with Him, and you're going to fall in love with each other for the same purpose. For Him to fulfill His joy, His love, His peace, all the fruits of the Spirit in your life. But there's not anything that He can do when you decide to hold it back. So really, there's two things that make that difficult. One is recognizing it. So often we don't recognize what it is that holds us back. Those things are pretty simple. Sin is a real simple, simple one to understand. If we're involved in known sin, that is going to produce a barrier between us and God in that relationship. I mean, automatically. That's, that's automatic. That one's an easier one to see. Might be just as tough to give up. 
But it's the next one that's a little tougher. My will versus his will. That one's a little tougher. Especially when you cloud that in the religious system. That's what this rich young ruler did. See, he came to him, I think he was shocked. I think he came to Jesus to literally receive the flattery that, no, you've done everything, you're ready. I think he was shocked when he got the answer that he did. Not just saddened, but he was shocked. Because he didn't recognize that this was about a relationship. It was to him more about a persona. Well, if I, if I put out this life persona, this religious persona that I've got this good thing going with God, then that's all I need. That's my testimony. I have a good testimony now. And that's all I'm called to do here is just have this good testimony. See, that's the religious system. If you were to go into these, these churches that are saved, by the way, that they, that they believe in salvation, but they live according to religious priorities, if you were to go in there and really get to know some of these people, there is such a dissatisfaction in that life. I know because I grew up in it. There's a dissatisfaction. Why? I, I mean, you, you hear all the time, well, there's complaining about this, complaining about that. Well, yeah, this person didn't do that. This person didn't do this. Why is that? Because you're looking through a lens that is imperfect. If you're looking through a religious lens, a lens of to do this and keep this list, that is imperfect. Why? Because that's us. That's our efforts. That's what we do to try to reach out to God. When all, he, he never asked that of us. He never said, do this list of things. He said, I, I want it all. He said, I paid all for you. Why should you not pay all for me? That's what he's raising up. He's raising up those who would build relationship with him and give him everything. Just say, God, I, this side of eternity, I don't care. I don't care. I mean, obviously I care. You know what I mean? In other words, do what you want. Do what you want. Use this vessel however you want to. So then, when you have that conversation with you, with him, he'll come back to you and say, okay, but there's this. Are you willing to give this to me? Are you willing to give me this relationship? Are you willing to give me this job? Are you willing to give me this situation? 
Are you willing to give that to me that consumes so much of your heart? See, he needs us to give that to him because there's no other room. When something consumes our heart, there's limited space for him. And yet, when he consumes our heart, he expands the space to be unlimited for everything else. It's extraordinary. You ever wonder why so many people don't do ministry? I grew up in this, and and there's... You know, it's, it's basically, there was always the, the one in five rule, and sometimes, depending on the church, it was one in ten rule, where, where, you know, there's one worker for every ten people, and sometimes even less than that, right? Where, where most people would not volunteer to work and stuff like that. It's because they, they didn't have the capacity to do it. I'd rather just go there, get my church on, and, 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 you know, feel good about that and then go about my week. I have no capacity to give more than that. And then those who are giving more, who have this desire to give, how many times do we hear about them getting burnt out? Do you know there's no such thing as burnout with God? But yet there is burnout in this world. There is burnout when our capacity is not such that we can handle things. And, and by the way, that happens to all of us. Where we get overwhelmed. Where this gets to be too much. And I would just encourage you to back up and say, Okay, Lord, why am I overwhelmed? Why? It may be because we're stepping down a road we're not supposed to. Or in a direction we're not supposed to. But it may also be that we didn't give him enough space. Because he's the great multiplier. What space we give him in our heart, he multiplies. And he makes it so much greater in the capacity, so much greater to do the things that he wants us to do. He promises this. He promises that he'll never give us anything we can't handle. That even means our capacity for relationships. I mean, Jesus loves relationships. By the way, not just relationship with him. He loves relationships when we get together. I, and I love this church. Good night. I, I love this church loves to be together. We love to do things together. Right? Am I right, Beth? Yeah. <laughs> It's like all we need is an excuse. <laughs> all we need, all we need is an excuse to just get together. Why? Because God has filled us with the capacity to do that. He's filled us with the love to want to do that. Why do we have 10 to 15 people to sometimes 20, 25 people on the call, on the prayer call every single night? Every single night. How is that possible? It's because of capacity. He fills us with the capacity to do what he wants us to do. If you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling overwhelmed, ask him what's blocking that capacity. Because we're, we're no different than each other. 
you know, I, I look at someone like Donald Trump, who sleeps, they say, like, sleeps three and a half, four hours a night. Okay, I don't know what would be coming out of my mouth if all I got was three and a half hours or four hours of sleep a night. However, why am I not to assume that he can't give me that same capacity? And it's extraordinary because that's what he's been doing these last few weeks. Like, I, I usually go to bed about midnight to one o'clock, usually. And, and would usually wake up 7.30, 8 o'clock. That's, that's about what my norm has been. But more recently, like, my time to go to sleep hasn't changed, but the Lord's been waking me up at, at 5, 5.30, 6 o'clock. And, and instead of being tired, I'm laying there and I'm like, Seriously? <laughs> I really can't go back to sleep. I mean, even though I try and I want to, and I'll lay there to try, he's like, okay, you can lay there all you want. I'm trying to give you more capacity. Are you going to use it? And so then I'd get up, I'd go downstairs, I'd turn on the worship, I'd grab my Bible, I'd start praying, start talking to him. And then, you know, my girls would eventually come downstairs because Brooke leaves early and it's like, oh, what are you doing up? <laughs> yeah, it's because God wants to change my capacity. Boy, I'd love it. I'd love it if I could operate on three and a half hours to four hours a day. I can't wait for heaven, by the way, where we don't have to sleep. How cool will that be? You can sleep if you want to. You go out in the meadow, lay down, and just take a nap if you want to. But you don't have to. By the way, same with eating. How cool will that be? We don't have to eat there. But we can. Although that, that isn't too much unlike it is now. Because oftentimes I don't have to eat now. But I still do. Although it's going to be good there. It's going to be good there. Shannon, you think you could cook now? <laughs> I expect banana bread in heaven. <laughs> With nuts. From the tree of life. From the tree of life, yeah. <laughs> no, just, just what he wants to do in this life is, is just, just this simple thing. He just wants to turn your whole life upside down. He wants to wreck you in a way that takes all the old paradigms and crumples them up in a ball and throws them away and says, I'm building you new. I'm building you new. And by the way, you can tell people that he's done that too. You see their life over a short period of time and you, what in the world happened to Corey? You know, I mean, Corey used to not speak at all. Now, I'm pretty sure they heard him five houses down. Praise the Lord. There you go. Brooke's like, you just shout and give him a worship and you hear Corey and Corey. And I look at Corey's face. He, he, was, he was sitting down and, and he's like this. He was all in. He's all in. And you see that in his life. You see that in Beth's life. It's, it's extraordinary 
to watch these people here and, and around us that God just, He just wrecks them and builds them up. It's like, let me dismantle, 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 dismantle. Okay, now we're putting the good stuff on. Now we're building that life with, with His bricks. Building a foundation with His bricks. Because He knows what needs to go on that foundation for your life. He knows what that is. See, He's building these bricks with Anissa. Why? Because He knows what she's going to do. She may not. And she may, she may resist it or not. Now she, she has said, Lord, whatever. But see, he's already preparing her. Never to the point, though, where it doesn't require faith. It will always require faith. When we step out in obedience to him, it will require faith. That's what being out of the comfort zone is all about. Is yes, I'll, I'll just, I'll step and I'll, whew, yes, Lord, I'll do it. I'll do it. I trust you. I guarantee you, the first time you do that, it will be scary. But when you do it in faith, there'll be something that you could just like, okay, okay, Lord, it's on you now. See, when we closed the business, I, I, Alex can, can say this or not, um, but I remember saying to her, this is on the Lord. This is on Him now. He told us to do this. We did it out of obedience. If He doesn't want us to have this house, He can take it. If He doesn't want us to have this car, He can take it. Right? It's on Him. When He tells you to do something and you step, it's on Him. Don't try and take it back. Well, that didn't quite go how I thought. So, let, okay, Lord, I'm just going to do this. Let me, let me go out and get this part-time job. Oh, man, I never had so many offers when I wasn't working. It was like, that's why the Lord told me to sell my tools. Because <laughs> it would have been so much easier to say, boy, this one job, I could do this, literally this job, it'll take 10 days, two weeks to do, and it'll last me for two months. God, certainly, I mean, that's all, you could, you could afford me to just do this for two weeks. No, that's why he said, sell your equipment. Because I know that'll be a temptation for you. Because I need you to learn to trust me. He's called you in ways, and you can look back in your own life. He's called you in ways where he's asking for your trust. He's shown you some of the pictures. And by the way, so many of you have told me this. Have come up to me and talked to me and told me these things. He's given you a picture of what he wants in your life. Don't expect him to just do it. It will always come with a step of faith. He says, this is what I've got for you. That's what he was saying to this young man. You just have no idea what I've got for you. If you would just give up this one thing that means nothing 
in the scale of eternity. Nothing. But if you just give up this one thing, you will have everything in me. Don't you think that Jesus, or before he was Jesus as the Son of God, he was posed with that same choice. If he gives up this one thing, he'll have everything. If he gives up and becomes a man, gives up his life, gives up the things that he has given up by becoming a man, then he will literally open the door to relationship to his entire creation. So what the Father say to him? As Jesus is, is growing up as a young man and learning who he is and learning who his father is. His father said, trust me. Trust me. The Bible said Jesus had to learn faith. He had to learn obedience through that faith. Because the father said, trust me. Why? Because Jesus had to show the very way that it's done. We can do the same thing with the Father through Jesus Christ by Him saying, trust me. What I'm telling you, I'm showing you all these things. Trust me. Trust in my word. Trust me when I say you can have the fruits of the Spirit. You can have this love, joy, peace, patience. Trust me. But you've got to give me this. You've got to give me everything that you are. You've got to let me take the reins of your life. Not just in portion, but in all. Because a portion of your life will never lead to absolute relationship. It never will. Never has, never will. The only way you can develop relationship with him is to give him everything. That's, by the way, that's not just our, our hopes and dreams and desires or needs. So often it's our hurts. So often we get literally encumbered because of our hurts. Because of something that came against us or continues to come against us. And we don't want to give that up. Why? You ever think about that? Why don't we want to give up our hurts? You would think that that would be the one thing we would want to give up. But in reality, we don't want to give them up because... When we feel the offense of something, we feel there's a debt to us. And when we have that debt in our heart, that gives us the right in our mind to make certain choices or to act a certain way. You know, if, if I have this relative that has hurt me deeply, if I hold on to that hurt, I don't have to deal with them. Why? Because they hurt me. I don't have to deal with them. So you see, Satan 
wants us to hold on to our hurts. He wants us to hold on to the very things that encumber us. When God just wants to heal us. And by the way, it's not the opposite of that either. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to give up this hurt, so I'm going to go and build a relationship with this person who hurt me deeply. No, now you're on the flip side trying to take control. All you have to do is give up your hurt. That's it. Let him deal with the rest. You don't need to protect yourself. Let him protect you. And he will. He will protect you. He loves you. When you give him everything, he will give you everything, which includes that protection. It's so easy for us to get entangled in things that we want to hold on to. And and it literally fogs up our mind to see the plan of God. So the first step is just say, okay, Lord, I I know I struggle with this. I struggle with this hurt or I struggle with this control. I'm going to give it to you. And I'm not going to make any other decisions because that's a little overwhelming for me. But I'm going to give you this one. And I'm going to walk in it. I'm going to give it to you every way I could possibly do it. And Lord, from that, I'm going to expect the capacity that you will then put in my life to deal with some of these other things. And he'll do it. The more you give him, the more he will infiltrate your life and give you the capacity to deal with things. It's extraordinary. I promise you. I promise you. I've been there in so many of those situations. Where he just wants you to trust. He just wants you to trust. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you and we praise you, God. You are almighty God. And Lord, I thank you that you give us opportunity for relationship. I also thank you, God, that you have expectation on our end to give you everything. Not just this little test. Well, just give me a little bit and see what I do with it and then then we'll go for a little more. That's not what you said to the rich young ruler. You said the very thing that he loved, you said give it up. Because you want everything. God, I pray this over each person here this morning. That wherever they're at in their relationship with you, that they will give you everything. I pray for those who have been hurt. I pray for those who have built walls because of that hurt. Father, we trust you because you are trustworthy. Help them, Lord, to give that to you and then in return, you will build their capacity for love. I pray for those who 
feel like they have to control their life because they can't seem to keep a hold of it. Anyway, they feel like it's, it's just circumstances are slipping through their fingers because they can't hold it together. God, I just pray that you give them a confidence to trust you. A confidence to say, this is yours. I will step where you say step and trust you to build in my life the very things that you want. Oh Lord, I thank you for each person here. I thank you, Father, because I do declare that we love you. I declare that this church is ready. And we will trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. I felt so strongly in my spirit as he was beginning this um, that, you know, he uses the example of marriage a lot between, between us, and it reminds me, you know, that is a picture. Marriage is a picture of Christ and the church. And I can imagine if somebody were to come up to me and say, this guy over here is, you know, is going to be your husband and you need to just, you know, give up everything, give over everything to him and you're just, you know, make a commitment to just live with him forever in, in a marriage. If I don't know him, I mean, he might appeal to me when, and when we met, he did. Um, but I just, you know, to, to think of handing everything, anything precious over to a person I don't even know would be very difficult. And so sometimes I understand what I hear when you talk about giving up something for God, giving over something to God. The hesitation comes because we don't know who God is and what he'll do if it's in his hands. And that's something that I really understand. And when you accept Jesus, that's why the sanctification process is so important. Because if you know, I remember when I came to him and said we should pray. First of all, I felt like it was, you know, it was the right thing to do. But what I was really wanting in my heart was the peace from God that it was going to be okay. And in Greg's answer that did sound harsh to me at that time, it was the answer that I needed from the Lord, which is that I will supply. I mean, one of the verses I've known forever is Philippians 4.19. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If you don't know that about God, you're not going to trust him with anything. You know, part of the ability to give up the closest things to your heart is knowing who you're giving it to. As I got to know Greg, it became easier and easier and easier. In fact, I remember our first date. I remember thinking, this is a guy that could potentially hold my heart. And as we get to know God, it's the same way. And and that much more so because he's not a fallible human. Because I understand that trust can be broken in relationships on earth. But think about God. He can be trusted. Always. He will never fail us. He will never leave us. So in that sense, he is not to be compared with a human relationship. But that's what I sensed in my spirit. when Because when, it's so weird how great God is. We just talked about this in the ladies class. 
And, and I, I know how it feels when you're stepping out. And yes, our testimony was giving up a, a business, a secular business to step into full-time ministry. That can be applied to anything. Some of you, your full-time ministry is in your job, okay, right now. It's the same principle. But ultimately, it's knowing God enough, learning about his character, that he can be trusted. So if you, wherever you're struggling with releasing something into God's hands, it'll always come because you don't know enough about what God will do with it and who he is in his nature and character. That's why we got to know the love of God. We got to know the voice of God. Because when you truly experience him, there is nothing you won't give to him. There's nothing you won't give. And claim that verse today that he gave in Luke. In this life, the blessings come. It's not just eternity. When you, you are blessed in this life, because some of you think, yes, I know, I know, we're supposed to give up everything, give up. But the reality of it is, yeah, but if I do, I'm going to be in lack. You don't know God then. You don't know fully God's character and God's nature. If there's anything we, we are, and I, 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 I was there. I, I never would have ever expected to have to take the leap that we took. I knew God gave us our house. The story of that is extraordinary. But just because God gave it to us for a season didn't mean that he didn't have something else. So when he said, oh, well, God wants us to, you know, if God wants to take it, he can take it. To most of us, that sounds like, well, okay, but I mean, so is that what it's about? Is it about God taking everything? No, whatever he takes, God is good. Psalm 119 says God is good and only does good. So the only reason he'll take something is like just Greg just said in that dismantling to give you the good stuff. I am right now, I have one of my daily prayers, and I'll end with this before I give announcements, but one of my daily prayers is, Lord, supernaturally extend the life of my car. <laughs> I need a new car. Now, that car was a gift from God that showed up on our doorstep a few years ago, right? The beginning, very, very beginning of ignition, and it was a gift. It was a, it was a used vehicle. It is hilariously beautiful. There are push pins holding up the headliner. Um, literally, this is a design of pins because it just falls down literally on my head without those pins. Um, you know, the paint job's peeling, I, I, the transmission's slipping, I mean, you name it, there's an issue with it. God is supernaturally extending it. He knows my desire is a new car. Sometimes I'll pull up beside a car and go, oh, that's, that's a nice one, and I'm always thankful. And some of the places that I go um, that are uh, where I have a various different, you know, interactions with people, I pulled into parking lots and it's just Mercedes, BMWs, you know, Land Rovers. And it's just, it's like beautiful. And then putt, 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 putt. I feel like I got the, the Flintstone car, you know, like I'm driving it with my feet. But I always say, thank you, Lord. And you know, one of the things that he's brought me to is such a confidence in Psalm 37, 4. You know, it says, delight in him and he'll give you the desires of your heart. He's actually shown me that verse in such a depth that he's like, delight in me. And I'm going to tell you what you even desire. You don't even know what car you want. I've got a car for you that's going to blow your mind and it will suit your, it'll meet your need, whatever you think you want. This one is going to be so fabulous. So now my prayer is, Lord, I can't wait to see the car you picked out for me. But until then, I'm in love with my van. I really do love it. It's special. And I will actually, in a weird, weird, weird spiritual way, I will miss my van because it really, the season I'm in right now where he's given that to me has been precious. Honestly, I get to see his hand of miracles every time I drive because, Lord, it started. I'm driving. Your hand is upon me. It's wonderful, you know? Um, 
But, but really and truly, let God give you the desire of your heart to the point where he even gives you what you desire. Place that much in his hand. God, I don't even know what I desire for my life. Some of you single people. God, I'm not even sure what I desire. But you know me so thoroughly, so intimately, that whoever you have is going to meet my every need. I can't wait to see who you picked out for me, God. How much of that are we putting in his hands? It's a beautiful experience. But you're not going to know that until you know who God is. That's right. It's very, very hard to hand over something to someone until you know what they'll do with what you're handing them. And we can trust God in that. So, um, I have a couple of announcements. And one of them, 